when I was in uh, seventh grade, uh, I remember uh, social studies, science fair, uh, all those kind of like fair and projects with the boards and all that kind of stuff. Um, I remember uh, seventh grade, uh, me and a buddy of mine, we did our project. Um, and when we did our project uh, at our school, uh, at St. Mary's, my, my elementary school, um, when you, if you, if you got an A at school, you got added, you got uh, sent to, and, and were able to go and compete, quote unquote, at the um, at the parish level, right? Um, so I remember we got our, we, we turned in all of our stuff. Um, we had worked really hard pretending that we did the work whenever my mom had actually done all the work. Um, but we 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 did all the stuff. We did all the board. We did all the experiments, the science, the, all the presentations, and all that kind of stuff. And when we were done, um, we had gotten an A, so we were one of the, the handful of students that were sent to the parish competition, right? So I remember um, we were all fired up because it was a day out of school. Um, it was a chance to not have to put on uniforms. It was a chance to just kind of get a little bit of a break. All we had to do was we had to show up. We had to give our little presentation in the morning. Um, that was pretty much it. We had a lunch break, and then it was the award ceremony in the afternoon. But it was kind of an easy day, a fun day, just goofing off and having fun with your friends. Remember, we did our thing in the morning, ate lunch, came back, and we were at the present. We were at the awards, and uh, we're sitting there. Me and my buddy, we're like, okay, that was fun. That was good. Let's get this over with so we can go home because we're like, there's, there's no real reason for us to be here. We, uh, we're sitting down, and we're kind of cheering for other people from our school, and, you know, somebody else wins in this category. We're like, oh, good job, and somebody wins over here, and oh, good job, um, and it gets to our category. They call, honorable mention, they say to people, and we're like, Oh, yeah, we saw theirs. They were pretty good projects. Cool. Third place, so-and-so and so-and-so from whatever school. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was the girl that my buddy was trying to flirt with. Because uh, um, I wasn't, of course. Um, so, like, that was the first one. And second place is so-and-so and so-and-so with the project title. Oh, we're like, oh, yeah, they're from, you know, the school next door. And we, we talked to them. Yeah, they had a really good project. All right. I remember at that point I was about looking at my dad, and I was like, you're going to go home. Like, we could beat traffic. We can get back. I'm like, I really don't want to be here anymore. Like, let's just get this over with. And while we're waiting, all of a sudden, as I'm saying this to my dad, all of a sudden we hear, first place, John David Mathern and my buddy with the project, whatever it was entitled. And I remember, first of all, I was shocked. Um, there was no, I was like, dang, no way, really? I can't believe this. I, 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 my dad and I were talking and overheard my name. And I just like, oh, what? And I jumped up, right? Now, real quick, I'm not trying to humble brag. Um, that in 2001, I won the LaFouche Parish uh, Science Fair project for seventh grade. I had the best one in 2001. If you want an autograph after mass, just catch me after mass. It's all good. I know it's kind of a big deal, but anyway. Um, but I remember I was like all kind of freaked out and excited and all this stuff. And like me and my dad were talking, right? Like we were like face-to-face chatting. And then the announcement came and like he just, I, I got excited. I jumped up. Me and my buddy, we both, we jumped up. Huge, like, bro high five suite. We, like, ran up. We got our trophy and a little medal and, like, our certificate. And we were like, yeah, we were really cool because we won the seventh grade science fair project for LaFouche Parish School. But anyway, like, I, we were all kind of excited, all kind of fun, came back, and then we found out that we got to sent to state, and that was two days out of school. And it was like, man, we won the lottery, right? Get home, drop off my buddy, get home to get back to my, my parents' house. And me and my dad were talking, like, as we were pulling up, and he looks at me and he says, I wish I could bottle up that moment. And I said, what do you mean? He says, I wish I could bottle up the moment when they said your name. Because you were, you were really shocked, huh? And I said, yeah, I, did. I never would have thought that we were going to win. I would have never thought in a million years that we would have won. 
And dad said, my dad says, he looks at me and says, because when I'm looking at you, like, I don't know if I can remember a time that you lit up that much. Now, Christmas presents, lit, you know, you light up in Christmas morning. Oh, my God, I got what I wanted, you know. Um, I, you, you might, like, have a big moment in a game or, or something like that. And like, oh, yeah. But he said, because you really were not expecting it, like, all of a sudden, there was something even more profound about it, right? It's interesting. Uh, this weekend, uh, Thibodeau High, Edie White both had homecoming, and our, Nichols had it a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago. And it's been funny because, like, the pic- pictures of, like, when the announcement's made, people have been catching that moment of, like, oh, like, this, like, the shock and the excitement and the awe of, like, wow, something special, right, that I might not have been expecting. That, that moment has been kind of caught for some people, which is kind of cool. I saw, like, some people, like, from the old days, like, oh, yeah, whenever I won, eh. I'm like, yeah, a little humble brag. Yeah, I got you. I got you. It's okay. I, I think there's something about when we're not expecting something and then being chosen, getting the recognition, there's something that's almost euphoric about it. There's something that's really, really amazing. There's something that's really, really, um, that, that's just really, really profound, and it makes the high almost feel a little bit higher. Likewise, um, and we might be more familiar with this side of the coin, um, whenever something, when we're expecting something and we get overlooked, if like we're, we're at an award ceremony waiting for our name and then somebody else's name gets said, that disappointment's a little bit lower. Not just that like, oh, I didn't win, but like, or, or I didn't get the scholarship or I didn't get the promotion or whatever it was, but like, I, I was expecting to, so it makes it hurt a little bit more. When, 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 we, when we don't expect it and we get something, it makes it feel like it's a little bit more joy and a little bit more exciting. Because the reality is, is being chosen feels really good. Like being chosen and being recognized, whether we want to or not, whether we're like an introvert that like, please don't say my name in a crowd, right? Like, like regardless of if that's you, like doesn't matter. Being chosen and being recognized most of the time feels really good. It might feel awkward, but it feels really good. There's a joy that's attached to it. The, the reason why I say that is because in our, in our readings today, in our second reading in particular, um, St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, um, we are reminded that we are chosen. Now, there's some context that I think is important in looking at this letter, though. Because St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, um, when, when you look at a Bible, it doesn't stick out any more than any other letter. It's just kind of in the, in, in the line of them, right? Romans and Corinthians and Colossians and, and all of these Ephesians. And, and you got two letters to the Thessalonians. A little background about St. Paul. St. Paul, uh, we hear about in the Acts of the Apostles that Saul, a soldier, a Roman soldier, was trying to stamp out the, the, this, this new wave cult called Christians. He was trying to stamp this out and try and get rid of it. He was trying to knock this fire out. Um, he was the first one that he, he was the one that persecuted the church, like like killing people that were practicing this faith. Um, Saint Stephen was the first martyr. Saul was the commanding officer when he was stoned to death. Saul has this has this amazing grace filled uh, conversion moment where he's struck blind. The Lord appears to him, a massive healing. He, 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 he falls off of his horse, Saul the soldier, and he stands up, Paul the apostle. Right? 
And now he all of a sudden, in the Acts of the Apostles, we hear where he starts, and he starts to do the evangelize, like this evangelizing work, like outright trying to proclaim and preach the gospel, proclaim and preach who Jesus is, what he has done, to everybody and anybody that will listen. And he doesn't just go to Jerusalem. He doesn't just go to the, to the people who are already believing. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. He goes to all of the other cities, all the other places, that because this isn't supposed to be just for one people. This message is meant to be for every single person in the world to hear. Right? And as he does this, he starts to develop these little communities in these cities. Ephesus, the Ephesians, Thessalon Thessalonica, the Thessalonians, Rome, the Romans, right? He starts to have these like little communities in these different places, this little pocket of believers that he's, start, that he's walking with and he's teaching and he's, he, he's, he's sharing the faith with them. He's kind of coaching them along through their conversions. And as he's with one group, he, he then leaves and he goes to another, and then he leaves and he goes to another. Well, because I'm convinced that the early Christians were like Cajuns and they all talk about each other, he would hear, hey, back in Thessalonica, they're not doing great things. They're like... Some of the teachings kind of going off the rails. I'm in Rome. I can't do anything about that. So what he would do, he would write letters. So in the Bible, when we hit St. Paul's letter to the, that's what he's doing. He's writing letters as their leader, as the person who has brought the faith to them, and he's sharing with them and saying either a correction or an encouragement about what's going on in those places. The reason why I say all that is because, first of all, the order of the letters in there, um, if you want a cool like little little party trick whenever you with your Protestant friends, um, the reason why they're ordered the way they are is very simple. It's because it's from longest to shortest. There's no other reason. It's not historically ordered. It's not significance ordered. It's just Romans is the longest, and I forget which one's the last one, but that's the shortest, right? Like that's how it's written. The oldest one actually is the first letter to the Thessalonians. Most scripture scholars will say that this is from about 50 A.D. It's about 50 years after Christ was born. So he dies in 33. So this is somewhere 18, 17, 18 years after Jesus died. So the first letter that St. Paul writes to one of his churches that we have a copy of is what we read from today, the very beginning. And at the very beginning, what he says, what he wants to remind the church in Thessalonica, what he wants to remind the, the, the Thessalonians of is that they are chosen. It's not an accident. It's not an accident that you are following the faith. It's not an accident that, that uh, someone who had a major conversion came to you, that you have been chosen by God to make his church real. To make his presence real in the world. In Thessalonica. Right there. Right where you are. You have been chosen by God. Now, the, the fact that this makes it into the Bible, and that over the last 2,000 years we've read this Bible and this passage to the faithful in Mass is because God, I can, I'm convinced the church and God through the church wants to remind not only a church in Thessalonica 2,000 years ago that you have been chosen and it's your responsibility to make present and make known God in the world, but he also wants to do the same thing to the church in Thibodeau, Louisiana at Nichols State in 2023. That you 
have been chosen. You've been chosen by God himself. And it's not an accident that you're here. You didn't wander into the wrong place. You have been chosen by God. Think of the different take on our faith. If we recognize the dignity of us having been chosen by God, not that we decided to be. This past, the last couple of weeks, um, I've been teaching, a, a lot of students have been there, but I've been teaching a, a, a prayer class. And one of the quotes that I've come back to, I think every, every class that we've done to this point, comes from the catechism. And I think it's a really, it, 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 it's very, very apt to what, we're talk, what I'm talking about. From the catechism, section on prayer, paragraph 2567. God calls man first. Man may forget his creator or hide far from his face. He may run after idols or accuse the deity of having abandoned him. Yet the living and true God tirelessly calls each person to that mysterious encounter known as prayer. In prayer, the faithful God's initiative of love always comes first. And our own first step is always a response. Now, I know it's talking about prayer, but I think we can say that this is talking about the relationship that we have with God. That God calls us first. He has chosen us. We can react in a multitude of different ways. We may forget our Creator. How many people here have ever used the phrase, I'm too busy to fill in the blank? I'm too busy to give God some time. I'm too busy to make it to Mass. I'm too busy to go to confession. I'm not too busy to get free lunch at the church, but I'm way too busy to do fill in the blank. No, I'm not trying to guilt anybody. Don't worry, right? Or we might hide far from His face. That God has chosen us, but yet, uh, Lord, like, look, stay over there. <laughs> you, you don't want to look at this. I think of Adam and Eve, first, you know, first, first book of the Bible, opening, opening chapters of the Bible. Once they eat of the fruit, once they sin, the first thing they want to do, I hide. Lord, I'm ashamed. No, 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 no. I want you, I, I want you like, like God, I want to be in relationship with you and all that stuff. But like if you see the stuff that I actually deal with and I actually do and the ways I actually fall, you wouldn't want anything to do with me. I'll just hide over here. We'll keep the distance. Oh, you're choosing me? Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to stay. He may run after idols. See, Thomas Aquinas says, right? Pleasure, power, status. These have been the places since we've sinned that we continue to lift up as idols. I need, I, I need the good grades. I need, the, I need to get into this. I need the scores. I need the, I need the, I need the, I need the, I need the. We make all these idols out of things. We're going, to, we're made to worship, y'all. <laughs> We're going to worship something. If it ain't God, it'll be a political party, a paycheck, or something else.
Or we may accuse the deity of having abandoned us. Especially when things get really hard. Especially when my anxiety is through the roof. Especially when I'm struggling or somebody finds out that they're sick. Heaven forbid somebody passes away. When things aren't easy, the prayer usually just boils out, God, where the hell are you? Because you, you say you chose me, but, but where are you? Like, I don't, I need you to be real. I need you to be present. I need you to be around. Where are you? Do we have the faith that recognizes from apostolic times, from St. Paul himself, from the, the, the earliest church apostles recognized, do we have our faith strong enough to recognize that God, when he says, I choose you, that he's not saying that collectively. He's not saying that for a church 2,000 years ago. He's not saying that for the other people or the little old ladies who prayed their rosary or the people who look like they got all their stuff together but really don't or all the all social media influencers that like make a point to try and make their life look perfect. He's not saying that to everybody else. That when God says, I choose you, he's saying it to you. He's saying it to me. I have chosen you. You are mine. And, and every day, the guy, when we wake up, God looks at us and says, and I still choose you, even with all the other garbage. He tirelessly seeks us out as a catechism. He tirelessly pursues. Tireless. He does not get tired choosing us day in and day out. Now, if He's going to choose us, I think the logical response is for us to choose Him back. Like, God, you, you, you're really going to choose me despite my shortcomings, despite my weaknesses, despite the things I don't like about myself. Okay, then you know what? I, I need to choose you back. There was a, years ago, um, I, I, this is something that just like has, I think it really elicits this point really beautifully, um, or illustrates this point really beautifully. Uh, there was, in 2015, um, there was a, every year, Starbucks comes out with a, uh, with a Christmas cup. Um, so every year, Starbucks comes out with this Christmas cup, and a lot of times they have, like, snowman on it or a Christmas tree or something like that. I may have shared this story before, but just bear with me. I think it, it just it, it illustrates the point. Um, well, one year, Starbucks, in 2015, they decided that the, the Christmas cup always comes after, like, pumpkin season, right? Um, so just let you know it's coming up. Don't worry. Get ready. Um, all Starbucks coffee tastes like hot dip spit, so if you got a problem with it, good luck. But anyway, um, so, sorry, it's after 9 o'clock, I don't care anymore. Um, so, so, Starbucks comes out with this Christmas cup every year. Well, in 2015, they decided they were going to try and do like this minimalistic idea. So this minimalistic thing was going to be, Starbucks logo is green. They were going to do a red cup. Take the green thing, put it on a red cup, green, red, Christmas, voila, right? There were a group of, there were like fundamentalist Christians that were losing their mind over the idea that, that Starbucks was attacking Christmas because their, co their coffee cup wasn't Christmassy enough. And I remember watching like 
just people melting down. It ended up on like the news because I guess it was a slow news year, like whatever. But like it was became like this big thing online, which means that nobody was really affected. They just wanted people to get angry at each other and like troll each other and yell at each other. Right. But anyway, like there was a priest that had like a response video. And I just thought it was so, so beautiful. He says, you know, it's interesting. Everybody's getting angry about this cup. He said, like, the cup doesn't speak Christmas enough. He said, as Christians, on a daily basis, do we proclaim that God became man? That the Almighty God who created everything became a baby and was born on Christmas morning? Like, do we say anything about that? We're going to rely on a cup to do it, but do we say something? He says, and then that baby grew up to a man who died for our sins, and that man was buried, rose from the dead, enters into heaven, and now we have the goal and we have the, the possibility of eternal life because a baby became a man, because God became a baby. What does our life say about that? And who cares about a cup? Then he pointed out at the end of like this little, like, little reflection he gave on it. He said, you know, it's interesting. One day, at the end of our life, we're all going to stand before God. And he's going to look at us and he's going to say, what have you done for me? And in our list, some of us, I know, like some of us might sit there and be like, well, you know what? I fought against this. I spoke out against this injustice. I fought against the ideologies of the world. I fought against this. I fought against this radicalism. I fought against this relativism. I fought against this. I fought against this. I spoke out against that. I shared those Facebook posts. I got those speakers who I know you enjoy and you like because like, they're really popular and they seem to be conservative enough. Like I, I, I did all these things, Lord. I, fo- I, I, I spoke out and shared and spoke out against everything that you wanted me to speak out against. And God's going to look at us and He's going to say, but what did you do for me? Because living a faith that is the Christian experience, the Christian life, is not a negative. We don't just live against. He's going to say, what did you do for me? Did you love? Like, did you love me and your brothers and sisters? Did you give me the time of day? Because when we live for God, it changes every single thing that we do. It changes every relationship that we have. When we live our life as a response to God's initiative, when we live our life as a response to God having chosen us, and we say, Lord, I'm going to choose you, it changes everything. Because I'm going to choose you changes what I watch on TV. I'm going to choose you changes the jokes that I make. I'm going to choose you changes the way that I approach my studies. I'm going to choose you changes the way and the patience that I have might have with my family. I'm going to choose you and that's a hard one, I know. Um, I'm going to choose you changes the way that I associate with people on campus. I'm going to choose you changes the way that I extend olive branches and love to people that I might disagree with. I'm going to choose you makes me look for those who might need help that I can offer and make me go out my way even when it's uncomfortable to help or it's uncomfortable to speak out. 
Do we live our life as a response to the Lord's invitation? Do we live our life as a response to being chosen? Where God comes to us and says, I choose you. And what, what have you done for me? Choose me back. Tonight as we come to Mass, we, the, the Lord yet again testifies and yet again re, like, re-promises to us that He's going to continue to choose us. He's going to continue to pursue us. And as we receive Him, we are then, we are then uh, given and commissioned, right, with the common mission of going out and of choosing Him back in our relationship with Him and the way in which we love the people around us. Today as we come to this Mass, as as we come to communion tonight, that we receive communion different than we ever have before. That we recognize the infinite God chooses you. Each one of you. Not plural, singular. You. The infinite God tonight chooses you. And continues every single day. And we're invited and compelled to choose him back.